This month, we take a tour of the Jordanian ecosystem, and our next step is Amman-based venture capital fund, Propeller, co-founded by Tambi Jaloka and Zaid Farah. Propeller wants to invest in cutting-edge technology startups across the MENA region, but particularly startups that want to solve the big problems that they see in the region using technology. So we're really delighted to be talking to one of the co-founders today, Tambi, um, to learn more about Propeller and how really it fits into the larger entrepreneurial ecosystem in Jordan, but also in the region. So Tambi, welcome to the show and thank you for joining us. Um, thank you, Marissa. I, I want to start with a very basic question. Tell us more about Propeller. Um, why did you decide to do this? Why Propeller? Thank you, Marissa. So uh, the, let me go back in uh, time to when I started uh, working uh, in my career. So I was always a software engineer. That's something that I was passionate about since I was a kid. I, I enjoyed building things into technology uh, ecosphere, I would say. Um, that led me to work in a few companies, then open up my own uh, software development house at some point, and then open up startup a few years after that, which led me eventually to work with uh, Zaid Farah on a project called Pias Rocket. So we were, in the beginning, helping Zaid Husban, which was uh, our first investment. It was more like a project in the beginning. We weren't actually a VC or an accelerator. But after doing that, which is something that we always enjoyed to do, build products for people, with people, uh, start things, we started, uh, we noticed that, okay, we can do this with more and more companies. So that, that is what led to us opening up a Propeller in 2017. Um, the main idea was to propel startups, uh, pun intended, and uh, take them uh, to the next level. So because we believe that uh, there aren't many accelerators in the region working on uh, pushing uh, solid founders, uh, at least we have a certain view. Yeah, there are other accelerators that are doing a good job, but we had a different take on it uh, coming from technology and product backgrounds. So we started the Propeller in 2017, slowly maturing and becoming an investment company, and then later on starting to call ourselves a VC because that's what we do. We're just a very valuable VC. That's wonderful to hear, um, precisely because in our research um, at the Wilson Center focused on workforce development, but also entrepreneurship, one of the things that kept coming up, not only in Jordan, but in other parts of, of the MENA region, is um, access to funding, not just for startups, but um, but uh, for those who have reached, you know, sort of further in, in the entrepreneurial journey. So um, is that why you decided to also sort of turn it into um, a VC? Because that's a challenge or at least a gap that you saw? Mm, definitely, by the way, especially in uh, projects that are again, teams that are aiming to build uh, global products, aiming to do something that's uh, not your traditional copycat model, they have a hard time fundraising. So we've been there, by the way, and I would say that 
part of why Propeller uh, came to be is because we were on the other end uh, at some point trying to raise money and couldn't find VCs that understood us or uh, are willing to go early on, uh, like really, really early in the stages of uh, building a startup. So we just, if you think about it, we just had to create the propeller. Uh, There was a, I don't know, maybe a calling or there was a definite need. And um, yeah, that's why we did it. So beyond um, just uh, applying for funds, which are, like we said, much needed, what else does Propeller do? So if I'm a startup, I apply and I um, go through the whole application process and I get funding from Propeller, uh, what happens next? So um, first of all, we focus on um, building the company because at that point in time, Sorry, uh, building the product and then building the company. So the early days, it's all about building the product. We believe that with experimentation, building fast technology, uh, getting to product market fit, uh, uh, product market fit as fast as possible, uh, you can be in a very solid place to later on build the company more and then fundraise more. So we would uh, help them recruit in the early days. We would help them build a technology stack that is adequate for that time, not to overbuild, also not to underbuild, because if customers are not happy about what you built, uh, you will probably not get any traction. And then uh, connect them to more uh, senior people, experts within our network that will help them grow some more and connect them to other VCs in the region that are our fellow friends and uh, people we invest in regularly, which would uh, help them grow. So it's strategic uh, in different places uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it keeps evolving. Yeah. Um, and you don't just leave them with the funding without taking them to the next phase, which uh, which I'm sure is much needed as well um, once they start um, moving forward and, and growing. Um, so I'm, I'm very curious to hear from you about what you're looking for in the startups that um, you're assessing and then that you eventually take on. Um, so you, you've, you know, you open it up for applications. I, I also read that um, for the non-Jordanian startups, there is sort of a conditionality to move to Amman, which is great for the Jordanian um, ecosystem and for the market. But what is it that you're looking for? What are the, let's say, top three to four features of a startup that makes you nod, you know, you and Zaid and, and say, okay, this is this is it. We're going to take them on and help them move forward. So Marissa, I think it starts with a great team, by the way. And we are heavily, heavily biased Uh, on being inspired by the team. If we are not, most probably we will not invest because um, at the end, this is uh, an investment is a uh, long-term engagement. We will most probably stay working with them for the next five to 10 years, depending on uh, what happens with the startup. So having a team that is, uh, I'm going to say, of course, smart, with domain expertise, complete as in um, multiple people in the team have different skill sets that are complementary to each other. Yeah. 
Yeah. Exactly. And uh, or solving something that's hard, I'm going to say, uh, not your traditional uh, low-hanging fruits um, that people kind of reach out to. We want to invest in people that are aiming high. Yani that's uh, one of those things that we really focus on. After the team, of course, there is the market. It has to be a market that is growing, not diminishing. Uh, it might be a market that just started growing, but the rate of acceleration, uh, for example, is fast in it. And uh, at the end, we look at uh, what they built so far, like the product, the solution. But we don't really, yani, uh, as a scoring, uh, like let's say, Uh, ch- uh, chunks within the bigger score, uh, the solution is the le- uh, last thing we look at or the least important thing because we understand that a good uh, team within a big market are going to figure things out even if they need to pivot at some point. I really like your focus on teams and you mentioned diversity as a plus. So I'm going to zoom into this a little bit. Um, I'm sure you're aware that there's basically a dearth of women-led startups um, in, in Jordan and across the region. Um, the women entrepreneurship rate in the MENA region is one of the lowest worldwide. So do you, for example, have some sort of strategy to select women-led or co-led startups? Um, is this part of your um, sort of thinking um, or are you just sort of focused on these items? And how can you try to bring in more women-led startups? Mm. Good question. So uh, two of our uh, 13 investments in the initial fund were uh, women, uh, Hanal Khadr from Hello World Kids and Dream Khouri from uh, uh, Wise. Um, it's, it's been tough for them, by the way. Uh, yani, uh, looking at uh, their fundraising journey, I... I kind of understand uh, you know, where the question is coming from. Um, it's, it's something that we try to you know, bring in, but we, we've always been struggling. So the team uh, at Propeller is 50-50% uh, female to male. And we've always been discussing this, but it uh, seems like most of the time, the applications are heavily, heavily, heavily biased towards uh, uh, males. So And I, I should look at the numbers, but just because I've met everyone that applied, I'm going to say that the application ratio is, this is just from top of my, at least it's uh, 90% male, all male team versus 10% uh, diverse team. So wow. the, the issue probably starts before they even apply to, because uh, at the end, our application process is, And, you know, a website or just uh, something that's electronic where there, you know, I hope that there isn't any bias, but it feels like there isn't any bias in the application process, at least. But yeah, I, I would say that there's a systematic issue that's larger than uh, who gets into uh, the VC. It's also, it starts earlier during their lifetime. And that is, absolutely, that is a, a very important data point uh, that you've highlighted, that basically 
the problem is systemic and that it starts before you're even selecting because you're not seeing applications from women-led entrepreneurs. Um, and that is very much in line with also what we are um, seeing um, in our own research. Uh, but it is a, an important data point to to highlight and, and take forward so that we try to address that as well in um, other episodes uh, where we talk to women entrepreneurs, particularly um, next month, where we'll be focusing on women entrepreneurs for um, women, um, Women's Day and um, National Women's Month. Um, so I'm going to sort of um, take you uh, to uh, a different place and ask you to talk about the challenges that you face as propeller in the Jordanian ecosystem as a VC. What are some of the key challenges you're facing? And then who do you go to for solutions or for guidance? Um, do you talk to the government? Uh, is it the Ministry of the Digital Economy and Entrepreneurship? Is it the private sector? Are there mentors of yours that you uh, also seek guidance from? Mm -hmm. I would say that the biggest challenge any VC uh, uh, struggles with in Jordan, by the way, uh, and I'm sure that many people would uh, find this weird, but lack of capital going into VC. Uh, or So when I say VC, I'm including accelerators as well. So I'm including everyone who's investing in startups in the uh, ecosystem. It's been yeah. very tough for all VCs in Jordan to fundraise because most funding goes into different avenues, I guess. Uh, not innovation as much as, uh, I don't know, like solving issues that are closer to people on a day-to-day -day basis. You know, people look at entrepreneurship as a luxury, I guess. Uh, which maybe that's why the funding is not going, uh, uh, is not directed towards VC at least. And uh, yeah, I've, I've talked about this you know, with the, my uh, mentor, uh, Emil Qubesi, who's, uh, who passed away uh, last yeah. year. Yeah. So he was always, you know, he was also aware of that and was working on that. And uh, I think it will get better at some point. But uh, yeah, I'm going to say the allocation of uh, funding, the way it's uh, distributed, uh, I think it can be uh, more efficient. Uh, that's what I would suggest. Um, and what about the role of the government? How do you see the role of the government, uh, specifically the Ministry of uh, the Digital Economy and Entrepreneurship? You know, the ministry, as you know, uh, a few years ago used to be the ICT ministry the um, Information and Communication Technology Ministry, and now it has a new mandate that, that's expanded to also include entrepreneurship. So what do you want the ministry to do to help VCs like yours, um, but others in the ecosystem as well? Hmm. So there might be uh, some uh, policies that enable uh, sources of capital in the country to focus more long-term. So I'm going to say this uh, out loud, but we don't have any endowments in Jordan. We don't have any social security that's actively investing in innovation. Uh, mostly it's uh, traditional investments in land and whatnot. Uh, 
not your typical innovation, but I believe that because of the lack of investing in technology, which by the way, VCs and technology are uh, hand in hand. Yani, uh, that's if you just read any books about the history of Silicon Valley, VCs in Silicon Valley are were a big part in the semiconductor revolution, Apple, and then later on Google and all of the other uh, technology companies were backed by some uh, yani, traditional VCs. So I think if on a policy level, there is some direction of education for the actually avenue uh, capital uh, and sources of capital, because really uh, we do lack uh, fund of funds in the region. We, we have one in Jordan, for example, but one by itself is not enough. They did an amazing job, the ISSF, but I believe that there should be other options in the country, not only one option that you take capital off and then you're left uh, you you can't attract more capital to Jordan. Uh, you need to have more fund of funds, more endowments, and other sources. I would focus on that. Yeah. So that gets me to something that you said that I'm going to also zoom zoom into, which is basically there's no culture of investing in innovation. Um, do you see that there is a bit of a change happening? That that there's at least a wave of change because there's more happening in the startup market and the ecosystem? Um, I really want to say yes, but um, I'm, I'm struggling saying yes. I believe that there is, by the way, led by a few uh, solid institutes, uh, I would say. But I can't say that it's... Uh, I can't say that the whole country is moving in this direction. I can say that there are beacons of hope, uh, people doing a good job. Uh, I'm not going to single them out and name them, but they are doing a good job. They're beacons, but also we need the whole country to be moving in that. So, um, yeah, there should be more innovation-driven mandates uh, or policies in the country. I mean, beacons of hope is a good start. So um, I'll take that. Um, So, Tambi, we're going to conclude with um, our famous... uh, before before you launch uh, words of wisdom um you're a vc you basically look at applications of startups um what are some of the words of wisdom that you would share with uh, applicants or startups out there who are struggling to access finance or struggling to grow um what do you um have to say to them most important thing in the early days is to act as if uh, there are no VCs and uh, bootstrap and talk to your customers and be close to the people that you believe you're solving the problem for, validate, build an MVP. These are all things that you can do before even quitting your job or before even finishing university. It depends on the level that you are. The more you do them, the easier it will be for you to fundraise. The less you need VCs, the more they will run after you. It's, yani I've, I've been doing this for a while, and that is the magical uh, formula. The, the less you do things for VCs and do them for your customers, the more uh, VCs will uh, chase after you. That's my uh, advice. 
Thank you. This is very good advice. Uh, thank you for sharing your story um, and your thoughts and expertise. Uh, good luck to uh, to you and to Zaid and the team that you have um, at Propeller with um, basically more uh, helping uh, more startups grow. And we hope to continue the conversation soon in Amman, Jordan. Thank you, Tambi. Thank you, Marissa. It was a pleasure. This podcast is funded by a grant from the United States Department of State. The opinions, findings, and conclusions of this podcast are those of our guests and do not necessarily reflect those of the U.S. Department of State.